0: Hello, you're listening to the Let's Talk Future podcast series presented by Oppenheimer. If you're interested in the economy, the market and investing in general, you've come to the right place. This series was created to fascinate and enlighten every type of investor. Curious about the latest consumer trends? How about innovations in healthcare or technology? The Let's Talk Future series definitely has you covered. Through timely and relevant conversations, we deliver some of the best thought leadership in the financial services industry. Our renowned hosts and guests explore big questions and big ideas and leave you with actionable insights. In this edition, our featured guests are Elliot Miskin, Director of Thematic Investing at Fidelity International, Robert Pemble, Senior Equity Trader at Invesco, and our host is William Bird, Managing Director and Head of Thematic Research at Oppenheimer. This episode was recorded on December 11, 2023. Thank you for joining us.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Thematic Thought Leaders Roundtable. This is a special episode where we delve into the dynamic world of thematic investing. Our aim is to identify the big ideas and in the investable megatrends that cut horizontally across sectors. My name is Bill Bird, head of thematic research at Oppenheimer, and today we're joined by two seasoned thought leaders. Our guests are Elliot Miskin, director of thematic investment at Fidelity International, which invests in multiple structural themes, including disruptive technologies, demographics, and sustainability, and Rob Pemble a widely respected senior equity trader at Invesco US. Elliot and Rob, thanks for being here. We're honored to have you on the show. We have a great topic, so let's dive right in. Elliot, let's kick things off with a theme that's been on many people's minds in 23, AI. This theme has driven very significant performance in infrastructure names in particular. Looking ahead, where do you see high potential for downstream winners beyond infrastructure and what do you think may be underappreciated by investors?
2: Yeah, hi Bill, thanks for having me. Uh, so, we're already seeing some really strong productivity gains in some areas, uh, such as software development. So, for GitHub Copilot, uh, which is an AI developer tool that can provide coding solutions from natural language prompts, uh, their customers are already seeing 20 to 50% productivity gains. Now, I personally believe that one point that's underappreciated by investors is, is how the productivity gains should lead to increased rates of innovation. So we all focus on the cost savings from lower labor needs. But I'm really excited to see what new technologies, what solutions to problems we want thought unsolvable emerge from a world where AI has supercharged humanity's ability to innovate.
1: Rob. From a trading perspective, how are AI and data analytics impacting the tools you use and the way you trade? Uh, thanks, Bill, for,
3: for having me. Hello, Elliot. So far, I think, uh, I think AI and, and data analytics is, is, is already here and some of the tools that we're using. So I think I'm excited for the, the years to come and some of the uh, advances we're gonna see, whether it's AI enhanced uh, algorithms that we might use on the low touch side or uh, data analytics to, to look at past trades and, and performance of those trades. Uh, i've seen a couple of companies out there that uh, are providing some really cool portfolio construction you know methods and, and ways to look at trades and you know how to construct a portfolio data analytics is uh, near and dear to me so as a as a tool i, I went back and gained some uh, education to to learn more about how to use that on a daily basis so i'm in there uh, coding in python to look at my past trades and, and bucket trades to find out how i can make uh, better data driven decisions uh, you know to have better outcomes and and save save money so I think the tools are you know, in development. There's some already here. Some vendors are providing AI suites to, to show you how your trade might uh, look compared to others. But yeah, you know, traders need to kind of embrace this type of new technology and maybe gain some more skills to, to look at things themselves and then kind of marry their, uh, their, your, their, their, experience, their old school experience with some of the new school AI and, and data analytics because uh, you know, I think that we're gonna become you know, way more efficient and uh, make better decisions in the future using you know, the combination of both. Elliot, tell us
1: about some of the other compelling themes that you see for 2024 and beyond.
2: Sure. So we, we've just finished COP28 in, in Dubai. And one of the things that, that I took away was how the commitment to triple renewable power generation by 2030 uh, matches the sort of enormous challenges ahead of us to, to achieve that, that goal. You know, it's, it's clear that we're beginning to understand the demand side of decarbonisation, but there are real issues on the supply side to provide the materials needed uh, to deliver that transition. So we've seen just in the last few weeks significant downgrades to, to copper supply forecasts in, in 2024. And, and so this theme of, of how we're going to supply the materials that are needed to power these decarbonisation technologies, you know, that's one that, that we're really excited about for, uh, for the coming year. This year, we also saw the UN High Seas Treaty introduced, and, and that provides a, a legal framework for the conservation and sustainable use of marine biodiversity in areas that are beyond uh, national jurisdiction. So we think there's going to be increased focus on oceans, which play a really essential role in, in not only biodiversity and, and regulating climate patterns, but also in the resilience of economies, particularly in emerging markets. So we think investors are starting to realise the economic opportunities associated with oceans which we think today have been underinvested, And just to squeeze in one more, I think the theme of longevity is going to become more prevalent in the coming years. Uh, linked to the conversation we were having about AI, I think it's possible that, that new technologies will enable us to materially increase life expectancy. You know, The excitement that we've seen over GLP-1s in, in, in recent months and, and the potential of those drugs to significantly reduce obesity, which is a you know, significant factor in premature death, is just one example of the amazing opportunities that we have ahead of us.
1: For the benefit of our listeners, GLP-1s are anti-obesity drugs such as Ozempic, Wagovi, and Manjuro. On structural megatrends, Oppenheimer sees several for 2024 and beyond that have the potential to change industries, companies, and the world. Most notably, AI, water, a warming planet, the US industrial renaissance, and anti-obesity drugs as well. In AI, we think more companies will join the list of AI beneficiaries beyond just infrastructure and chips. We see the next wave of growth in software followed by industry applications. Beyond Microsoft, we see benefits flowing to cloud-based data lakes such as Snowflake, vertical software such as Autodesk, content creation such as Adobe, and even industrial applications such as Bentley Systems. Among industry applications, we believe companies with unique and proprietary data stand to benefit the most because proprietary data can add more value to training AI models. Data-rich companies such as Moody stand to benefit. Moving on to water as a theme, water scarcity is an acute issue, as we all know. Significant spending is needed to improve water infrastructure, quality, and efficiency. At the same time, New digital solutions offer tremendous potential and government support is growing. We think we're on the cusp of an unprecedented growth cycle in water services. And among the companies that stand to benefit is Xylem. A warming planet is another compelling theme which overlaps with the water theme. Of the 3 billion people living in the hottest parts of the world, only 8% have air conditioning. Add to that the developing world and global warming will have a multiplier effect on air conditioning demand. Companies such as Carrier, Lennox, and Trane stand to benefit. Another durable theme is U.S. industrial renaissance. Energy security, the reshoring of supply chains, rising defense spending and policy support should lift a lot of ships in the industrial and sustainability sectors. And finally, on anti-obesity drugs, the addressable opportunity is massive. of the US population is technically obese, and obesity-related healthcare costs are about 1.8 trillion per year. We see collateral impact rippling across a lot of sectors, most immediately in medical devices, and our team has published a few really interesting and worth reading white papers on these topics. Switching gears to trading themes, Rob, from a trading perspective, what are some of the more compelling themes that you see in 2024 and what do you think could surprise people?
3: Yeah, I'm, a, I'm more of a generalist on the trading side, but uh, on, a, on the macro level, um, you know, we're always looking, you know, this well, for 2024, you know, soft landing versus recession, how that's going to affect the market or inflation or the type of growth we're going to have. You know, when are, when, and why are the rate cuts going to happen? Presidential race should be a pretty interesting you know, again that's just macro on the day-to-day trading side themes are almost the same it's uh, you know what are the CTAs doing uh, where they're positioned in an up market or down market and the levels they are going to defend or uh, support and and also the uh, one-day trade options which have gained a, a lot of uh, press over the past year and and how they affect the volatility with those higher level type you know, events happen on a daily basis you know we look at that as uh, as a theme and then the factor investing also, is growth going to outperform value this year? I, I wish I could tell you, but you know it's one thing I'm going to pay attention to on a daily basis with when I'm doing single stock trading, as well as like overcrowded positions and momentum, you know, with MAG7 did, did great this year. Uh, so is that going to continue? Uh, you know, I wouldn't bet against MAG7 for sure and, and any other AI uh Positioned uh, company, but also hoping that maybe Smids pop their head up this year. It, you know, if you look at the S and P equal weight versus the S and P, you saw I, I'd like to see a broader rally, you know, including those stocks that didn't participate in that. I know as far as surprises, uh, I, I'm hoping I don't see any surprises. Uh, the regional bank uh, issue we had in the spring was difficult. Uh, you yeah, know, again, LA brought up GLP one. You know, that brought some nice volatility. Uh, AI and the Mag seven brought a volatility. So. I'm kind of hoping we don't see any type of surprise which i know is not real realistic but there, there's plenty of things out there this year that that we could see some interesting things happen
1: rob what does trading behavior and volume tell you about investor sentiment right now heading into 24
3: yeah great question you know as far as 2023 is concerned i'm i'm wanting it just to end uh, sort of a frustrating time. So I think there's probably right now a lack of conviction. You know, I, I thought I saw a lack of volume and, and, and interest in November and part of December, although last week is a little bit different. I think there were some financial conferences going on. Uh, so there's an uptick in activity. So again, you know, not going back to MAG 7, but if you're along MAG 7 to 2023, you probably had a good year. And if you were along all the stuff in the, you know, like I mentioned, the equal weight, you probably had just an okay year or maybe not such a great year. So 2023, less conviction, let's get it over with. I think 2024 brings some hope, possible rate cuts at some point in the year, inflation might be under control, and then gonna be a better stock picking environment for people. I definitely have hope for the 2024 year.
1: Elliot, tell us about your process, the process for hunting for new themes and how you distinguish between genuine durable trends versus short-term fads.
2: Yeah, so when we're hunting for new themes, I think it's really important to cast a wide net and and use a number of different approaches. And so I'd say there's three things in particular that we look at. Uh, Firstly, at Fidelity, we're we're very fortunate to have a a large global research team with over 200 analysts and investment specialists in in offices around the world. So that gives us the advantage of being able to connect the dots between a, a site visit in Australia, a management meeting in Tokyo, an expert call happening in Toronto, a conference in London. And we can use these connections from our bottom-up research to identify emerging themes at an early stage. Um, Secondly, we take insights from our multi-asset and macro research teams who take a more top-down approach to theme identification. So we can create proprietary thematic baskets for our portfolios to invest in that have a much faster turnaround time and and allow us to access these themes much more early on um, and we can monitor how those develop. And and thirdly, we take input from conversations and collaborations we have with, with our clients, with the sell side, with industry experts and with other investors. Um, but I think your second question is is key, right? Because it can be really difficult to tell in the beginning what's the next big trend and, and what's a hype versus, you know, the classic example is, is the excitement over the metaverse faded very quickly and versus the excitement over AI that we're already seeing, right, translate into, into meaningful financial impacts for, for companies. Um, and for us, that's where having a robust, repeatable theme assessment framework is, is key to, to staying disciplined. So we create thematic investment universes. We look at the, the expected growth rates our analysts expect from, from, from those companies. We compare those to the broader market and kind of monitor the, the sort of real impact that these trends are going to have.
1: Rob, what are some of the changes you see taking shape in trading? And what is the value that high-touch trading brings to you versus algorithmic? And how do you think about balancing the two? You
3: know, great question. Some of the changes aren't anything new. I think that the, sometimes the trading environment cycles itself. And so this past year, I, I talk, after talking to a lot of buy side counterparts and visiting a lot of sell side desks, I feel like high touch trading is almost back in vogue where I thought it might've been uh, you know, a little bit absent about uh, two or three years ago. Um, so I think that, you know, that's one of the things that are taking shape is great relationships and cultivating those, uh, which I think really matter. The, the amount of information that we need in trading these days is, is more than normal, I think. so you know, engaging those relationships daily, you know, having a relationship with uh, sales traders on the high touch side, sector traders, heads of trading, you know, get, get you the information that can make you make better decisions and maybe make, uh, have better outcomes. Dealing with the uh, high touch traders and, and knowing what the buy side counterparts are on the other side also is very helpful. So you can safely have a trade in the market, negotiate at a good price for both people. So again, you know, I think relationships really matter and they're they're, they're more important than ever. The fragment of the markets we have the uh, inaccessible liquidity that we we come across so i think high touch enables us to kind of get around that and have better trades but low touch trading is important too i have uh, low touch traders that, that talk to me on a daily basis that, that give me advice on maybe changing the current algo I, i'm using you know changing the strategy so those relationships matter too so at the end it's, it's relationships that, that really matter so on, on, the, on the balance of the two uh, you know it's hard to say i'm pro high touch but I also have a lot of flow that the needs to be done uh, algorithmically, and so it, it depends on the liquidity profile, I think, for each trader and manager that, uh, that you're getting. Uh, for me, the type of flow I, I normally see in trade, you know, high-touch trading is, uh, is great for part of it. Low-touch trading is an absolute necessity, whether it's algos or algo wheels, and using some of that AI and machine learning technology is, is uh, very valuable.
1: Elliot, there's been a multiplication in passive thematic funds. Can you share your thoughts on the merits of active versus passive thematic investing and how you think about it?
2: Sure. So I think both can have their place in, in client portfolios. Um, we have a range of thematic ETFs as, as well as a franchise of, of active thematic funds. And I think the, the key for us is about being clear where active management can add value and, and where passive is, is the right approach. And it's about what's the best way to approach an, an individual theme. know, is this a thematic universe that's broad and diverse enough for active stock picking? Is it going to add a layer of alpha over and above the performance of the theme? And on the other side, you know, are there risks in following an index approach, particularly for the themes that are rapidly evolving and where supply and demand dynamics can create traps and and opportunities that active stock picking can can aim to navigate. A good example is we have a digital health ETF. I I look at that and say, could we create an active strategy and and probably not one that's gonna add a sort of sustainable level of alpha on a a universe that is is quite narrow and, and homogeneous. Um, and on, on the other side, I, I would look at something uh, like our uh, transition materials fund, where I would say that picking the right companies at the right time and being able to sort of trade in in, in and out of interesting opportunities that are created by changes in the commodity prices, you know, is, is vital. And, and, and I don't think an ETF approach would be the right way to go for that one.
1: As we wrap up today's podcast, I want to thank Rob and Elliot for sharing their insights. I also want to thank our audience. We appreciate you, and thanks for taking time out to listen. Happy holidays, everyone, and see you next month. Thanks, Bill. Happy holidays. Thanks, Bill.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Future. We know your podcast listening options are endless, and so we're glad you're spending time with us. Don't miss out on our next episode, and remember to subscribe today. Join our community to expand your thoughts on business, the markets, and the dynamic forces affecting them. It's time to talk future.